Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. In our daily lives, uh, we constantly are sorting out what can we do ourselves and uh, what do we need help to accomplish. For instance, I can change oil on my cars, I can check the fluids and the tires, and occasionally maybe do some smaller repair, but most of the vehicle issues are clearly beyond me, and I need to admit that and take them to mechanic. I can do some basic carpentry projects and even occasionally some electrical ones, but you know, when it comes to plumbing, I have to admit rather quickly that it's beyond me and I need somebody more knowledgeable to step in. So how about in the spiritual realm? What is my part and what is God's part? You know, various religions of the world believe in a creator God, but put the responsibility on us to live in a way that earns favor with him and earns a place in paradise with him someday. And so then life then becomes this continual striving for and failing to attain the behavior that deserves such. The Christian faith teaches that we're saved by grace through faith in one who has earned for us what we could never earn ourselves. So does that mean we have no responsibility left in living in a way that God desires? What's my part? What's God's part in living out the Christian life? Which one of us is responsible for spiritual growth? Well, Peter in his second letter addresses this business of growth in the Christian life. And and I see in these first verses here some answers to those questions that I just asked. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, 
And I think it is right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to at any time recall these things. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your word to us today through Peter. And we pray that you would teach us today concerning spiritual growth in our lives. And what is your part? What is our part? How does that work? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What is my part? What is God's part in living out the Christian life? First of all, God's part. The righteousness that I cannot attain. Verse 1 here, Peter addresses this letter to those who have received a faith of equal standing with his own, and he explains that our standing before God is not in our own righteousness, but rather the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. God in his righteousness and his perfection looked down upon our sinfulness and our imperfection, and he saw that we were helpless to change ourselves and to make ourselves better or more acceptable to him. And so he provided the righteousness that we could never accomplish. And it's only when we give up then justifying ourselves and claiming our own goodness or our being better than someone else, and and we admit that we are as sinful as the next guy and have no way of making ourselves righteous before a holy God, that we can then receive the righteousness that God has provided for us in his son Jesus Christ. And so God's part is to provide the righteousness I cannot attain. It's also to give us the faith to believe in Jesus as God and Savior, Christ and Lord. In the uh, explanation to the third article of the Creed, um, we confess this, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. So how is it that any of us come to believe in Jesus or have faith in him? Verse 1 here, The New American Standard words it this way, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. You you see, faith is a gift of God that we receive. Faith is not something that we generate all by ourselves. God, through his written word, helps us to, like Peter, come to see who Jesus really is and so that we believe in him. And and Peter declares here at the beginning then four um, things uh, about who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He's far different from any other man ever to walk the face of this earth. Uh, He's more than a prophet or even a messenger from God, but he is divine, having the power and the attributes of God. Jesus is Savior. He's the rescuer from sin and its consequences of damnation and hell. He's the one who places us in eternal security or safety. He, He is Christ, that is, he's the promised Messiah that all the Old Testament prophets spoke of and predicted would come, and he is Lord. He's the one in charge of us and of all things in the whole universe and even the heavenly realm as well. And so, again, God's part is to give us the righteousness that we can't attain and to give us the faith to believe in Jesus as God and Savior, Christ and Lord. His part is also to give us grace and peace that multiplies. Now, grace is, is God choosing to treat us sinners as he lovingly chooses rather than as we actually deserve. It, it is experiencing then the absolutely 
unmerited favor of God. Peace is having God's rightful anger at our disobedience completely appeased so that things are good between us. And grace and peace then are things that God gives us. We could never accomplish them ourselves. Beyond that, God has given us precious and magnificent promises. Verse 3 and 4 here talk about that here. By his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. The Bible's full of promises of God to mankind. And they are promises not like mine, that I'm going to be home for supper by a certain time or that I'm going to visit one of you this week. I continually find that there are circumstances that are beyond my knowing or beyond my ability to control that, that change my good intentions. And there are times also that I lack a resolve to follow through on the earlier intentions. But not so with God. He makes promises and he keeps them. And his promises are sure. And they're about bigger stuff than mine. Uh, Peter describes them as precious and magnificent promises. And there are those promises we've already talked about here today. Of forgiveness of sin and peace with God through Jesus Christ and eternal life through him. But Peter speaks in verse 4 of other promises as well. Promises that have to do then not with our justification but with our sanctification. That ongoing gracious work of God in our hearts and lives to make us more and more like his son Jesus Christ. And Peter is saying here in verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, how has Jesus done that? Scripture tells us that he's given us a new nature. Our old nature was bent on disobeying God and living selfishly. But God gives us who believe in his son Jesus a new nature, a divine nature, that desires to live for him and to follow his ways. And Peter speaks of that in verse 4 here where he explains that through God's magnificent promises you have become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption as in the world by lust. So what does that mean for our lives? It means that we no longer have to live to satisfy the flesh because the Spirit of God now lives within us and, and we now then have this desire to live for God. So why don't we then live perfect lives of godliness after that? It's because as long as we're still on this earth, we also still have that old nature that's bent on living for self. And so there ends up being this inner struggle on the daily basis. And we need to then daily remind ourselves to walk in the new nature and that we don't have to live according to the lusts of our old nature. And so now I'm getting into talking about my part here, but... Just a quick review first here. What's God's part in living out our Christian lives? He provides the righteousness we can't attain. He gives us the faith to believe in Jesus Christ as God, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Through Jesus, he gives us grace and peace that multiplies. He declares to us precious and magnificent promises that we can count on. And he gives us this new divine nature. Now what's my part? In this ongoing process then of sanctification, well, it starts with this. It starts with admitting my need and receiving his gifts. Believing in the righteousness of Jesus as my Savior. Receiving the grace and forgiveness and peace that he offers and, and then trusting in his promises and, and remembering the divine nature that he has given me, then I am to, Peter goes on to say, apply diligence and practice. Verse 5, for this very reason, 
make every effort. Our New American Standard words it this way. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. In your brotherly kindness, love. Peter gives us this list here of Christian virtues in which we are to be growing. Growing in them not to somehow then earn a better standing with God. We already have a good standing with God secure in Christ. But, but growing in these things because we no longer are stuck following our old nature. And God has something better for us. And so growing in godliness is what sanctification is all about. I appreciate the uh, way Joseph Stump describes this. Uh, quote, he says, Sanctification is that work of the Holy Spirit by which the believer cooperating with God through powers divinely bestowed in regeneration, grows in personal holiness by more and more overcoming sin in his heart and life and by cultivating and exercising the Christian graces and virtues. End quote. Sanctification is, or, or growing in godly character traits isn't something that I can accomplish in my own power. I, I need help. I need God and he has given me that divine nature and that indwelling Holy Spirit. So do I have a responsibility then? Yes, that responsibility is to cooperate with them. And let me attempt to explain that in this way. So just this last week, somebody in our family got a flat tire, and we got by with just bringing an air compressor and blowing it up and being able to drive it home, which I was glad for. But I had come prepared with some other things, in case we had to change it on the spot. And you know, sometimes when you have to change a tire, the, the lug nuts just don't cooperate. You know what I mean? Uh, in, instead, they seem to resist being turned, and you need some WD-40 to spray on them maybe, and, and maybe even a, a pipe on the end of your uh, lug wrench to get some more leverage to really persuade that lug nut to cooperate. Now, I know that lug nuts can't actually turn off by themselves, and I'm just personifying here. Um, but you get the idea, hopefully. It, it seems to me that we can be a bit like that stubborn lug nut. The Holy Spirit is working on changing us, and, and we resist instead of cooperating. So sometimes he has to use some kind of a persuader to, to get us to change. Though our part may be very small compared to his part, and we find encouragement in verses that remind us that he is he, he who has begun a good work in us will, will um, complete it. Yeah, will be faithful to complete it. Yet, yet, we can't say that we have no part in our Christian growth. And Peter urges us here to apply diligence and practice. Like in sports, uh, there, there's a need for continual practice, isn't there? For instance, uh, DGF's football team didn't get where they are this season by just showing up for game days, did they? So also in our spiritual lives, there is a need for continual practice of the spiritual disciplines, of being in God's word and in prayer and regularly worshiping with other believers. That strengthens our resolve to live for the Lord. So that we seek to grow then in moral excellence and knowledge of God and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love for others. Now that list there, I don't understand that list to be some kind of a stair-step list whereby you grow in this one, then you get to this one, and the next, and so on in that order. 
but rather it is a rounded description of Christian character. And Peter goes on to tell us here in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You, you see, if these qualities are not evident in our lives, then we are ineffective. Or another translation says, useless in our witness to the world that needs to know Christ. And furthermore, Peter says here in verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is blind or nearsighted. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm farsighted. That's why I only wear these glasses when I have to read something up close. Someone who's nearsighted has the opposite problem. They can see just fine these things here, but further away is a blur. Well, Peter is saying if, if you live claiming to be a Christian, but not growing in godliness, you're nearsighted. You're having forgotten you've been cleansed from those former sins. So what is my part in living out the Christian life? Well, it's to admit my need and receive God's gifts. It's to apply diligence and practice in my daily life. And it's to not forget our purification from our former sins. It's to live then with this ongoing desire to become more and more like Christ. I appreciate this word from John Newton, who's the author of Amazing Grace. He said, I am not what I might be. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But I thank God I'm not what I once was. Peter himself was a man who had all kinds of flaws and failures, but who definitely gradually grew in godliness and was powerfully used of the Lord as a witness to many. And he's told us today, God's part in bringing about growth and changes in our lives, and he's also told us that we have a part in cooperating with God. And Peter closes by making mention of what he considers his part, uh, helping us grow in godliness. And that is, he says, to remind you of these things. Verse 12, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. And I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. And if you ever need to be reminded of anything, me too. Well, because Peter wrote this in letter form, we still have his record as an ongoing reminder to us today. And Peter also adds another connected thought here as you look at verse 14 and following. He anticipates uh, departing from this earthly life but leaving behind ongoing reminders. He says here, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You know, it occurs to me, this is what we all should do. Live our lives in such a way that when people think of us long after we're gone, they'd be encouraged to godly living, and they'd be encouraged to know the Savior that we served. And it also occurs to me that there's one more thing, maybe, perhaps, uh, one more way we can pass on to the next generation a little bit similar with Peter here. And that is to write down our own personal testimony or life story and leave it for family and others and, and do that while we still can. I've been working on mine. 
I encourage you to do the same. Let's pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks today for your work in our hearts and lives. We thank you that you have done for us what we could never do ourselves, and you have made us to have a righteous standing before you because of Christ. We thank you that in him there is full forgiveness of all of our sin, and there's also a change of heart that takes place as you give us a new nature. And Lord, we pray that you would work within each of us, that we would desire to grow in our walk with you uh, in order that uh, you would make our lives better, but much more also, Lord, that we'd be useful in your kingdom to help others to come to know you. And so, Lord, guide us in those things, we pray. And if there be somebody here today who does not know you, we, we pray that even today you would draw them to yourself. You would remind them that there is nothing that we can do to earn favor with you, but you invite us to trust in Jesus who did it all for us, that there be forgiveness and eternal life in him. And, and Lord, we pray that uh, for each of us, you would help us to grow day by day in, in grace and godliness. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.